Hi, this is Dr. Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels. We had a little bit of an uh, interruption or a hiccup, but for your convenience, there will be a very high-quality recording posted on the website. Okay, so today's topic uh, is who believes that medical errors is the third leading cause of hospital deaths. And so as you recall, three weeks ago, I shared with you a email that was sent to doctors around the world, especially in the United States, uh, indicating to them that the care given by doctors is the third leading cause of death in hospitals. And that these care, this care, these are errors. Yes, errors. And as we discussed on the show, to call them errors is actually uh, rather generous. Because if we go with the dictionary uh, definition of errors, is a mistake, an inaccuracy, a miscalculation, a blunder, an oversight. Okay, so uh, erroneous conduct or judgment. So this is very clear. So wrong conduct or wrong judgment. And so the headline just sent to all these doctors, 214,000 patients die as a result of medical errors, so medical miscalculations uh, and wrong conduct or wrong judgment. And so I would have thought that the doctors would say, okay, uh, these deaths are happening, uh, they're due to errors, let's see what the errors are and see if maybe we could uh, you know, correct these errors. <laughs> what a miscalculation on my part. So what I want to share with you today is the response of doctors. Not only their response, but what this response means in terms of your personal safety in the presence of uh, medical care. In other words, just to summarize it, spoiler alert here, it's worse, far worse than I even thought. Okay, so this is Medscape Family Medicine. And so this is a doctor sympathetic publication pro-medical industrial complex, um, totally supportive. And, and the standard of care is what they uh, tout, establish, and publicize. So this is a totally favorable publication. This is what they say. It says, while medical error, again, wrong judgment, wrong conduct, is not a new topic, it is still a difficult one to address, in large part owing to the lack of a succinct definition and data on the frequency and consequences of error in healthcare. And they, they tell you what I've told you here, death certificates do not have a checkbox for medical error as a cause or a contributing factor in a patient's death. And they refer to 1999 with the Institute of Medicine, this is a government agency, um, estimated medical care being responsible for 98,000 deaths each year in the United States. And they attribute this to error in healthcare. So in the intervening years, uh, several analyses have suggested that the, these figures are substantially underestimate the problem. And studies published after 1999 estimate that between 130,000 and 575,000 annual, that means every year, inpatient, that means hospital, deaths are attributable to medical error. This is, this is huge. We can take the 575,000 figure as actually more accurate because, as you will find, most 
we'll call them medical mishaps, are never reported. So the 575,000 figure is more likely. So using studies published since 1999 report, Macri, this is a doctor, and Daniel, another doctor, extrapolated annual inpatient death rates from those reports to the total number of U.S. hospital admissions. They did this in 2013. And I covered the Macri report on my radio show when it came out. And they calculated that 215,000 inpatients, that's 10%, die every year as a result of medical error. And they even give a footnote, big seven there, you have to go look at the definition. If medical error was a disease, they concluded, it would rank as a third leading cause of death in the United States after heart disease and cancer. Now, mind you, they only counted the deaths that happened in the hospital. And so now here's the clincher. Medscape, which is the name of this publication, covered this analysis with the headline, Medical Error is Third Leading Cause of Death in the U.S. Subsequently, more than 500 Medscape readers expressed everything from frank disbelief to astonishment for dissemination of the study's findings. Can you imagine? So here you are, you're a doctor, you're engaged ostensibly in helping people, people who are called patients. And a study comes out showing that you, your colleagues, are unwittingly contributing to the death of 214,000 of your patients, clients, customers every year. What would be your response if you found out right now that you were unknowingly contributing to the death of your friends and your family members? What would be your response? One response might be, oh my God, I had no idea that was happening. Let me find out exactly what's going on so at least I can stop contributing to it. That would be my response. Yeah, that would be my response. But that's not the response they got. They got disbelief, like, oh, you're lying, can't be true. Astonishment for dissemination of the study's findings. How dare you say that? Uh, either it's not true, or even if it is true, you shouldn't be talking about it, which is shocking. Uh, but nowhere is there an attitude of, hey, let's fix this. Now, I have to tell you a little bit about medical education so you can understand this in context. So doctors are told in medical school, and every single medical school class is told this, and if you Google it on the internet, they're still telling this to medical school classes. The situation has not changed. Half of everything taught in medical school is false. Half of everything medical, in medical school is false. Period. That's it. That's what, that's what doctors are taught. Half of it is false, number one. But number two, it's not scientifically possible to increase the accuracy rate. For whatever reason. Nevertheless, doctors are supposed to work very hard to maintain a current database of uh, the latest research because, of course, this 50% inaccuracy rate, we'll call it error rate, um, gets worse every four years. It becomes 50% worse. 50% more knowledge becomes uh, inaccurate. And doctors are told they can only update their database using information from recognized medical journals or the government. Period. That's it. They cannot update their database with observations from uh, their clinical practice. They cannot update their database with patient experiences. They can only update this database 
with um, edicts from the government, because the government has a staff of researchers that only uh, produce the truth, and they can update their database using recognized medical journals such as the New England Journal of Medicine, the Journal of the American Medical Association, and maybe some specialty journals. Okay, so these sources of information are not to be questioned, not to be questioned. Okay, so here they have this leading cause of death published in a reputable medical journal, and people are saying, nope, nope, we're not going to believe it. So they're going to selectively decide not to believe it. Okay, and so readers found the study results credible and thought-provoking were decidedly in the minority. In other words, most readers did not find the study results believable or thought-provoking. And although the comments often drifted into the realm of everything that's wrong with healthcare today, the debate shines a light on a critical healthcare issue. Now, the issue they're shining a light on, of course, is that 214,000 Americans every year, and this is by, again, the industry confession, meet their death just because they chose to, to become patients, because they chose to receive medical care. I don't think that's the real issue here. Of course, the real number is closer to 880,000, which we've discussed, but the real issue here is the unwillingness of the doctors to, one, acknowledge the information, or two, make any changes. That's the, that's the real critical healthcare issue here. So everything but the kitchen sink. So these two uh, doctors noted that a medical error may or may not cause harm to the patient. And listen carefully. This is what medical errors are defined as. An unintended act. In other words, something the doctor does that he doesn't intend to do. Okay, something, okay so something he should have done but didn't do or didn't do but should have done. And then an act that does not achieve its intended outcome. So even if the doctor doesn't act deliberately with forethought and intent, it becomes an error if it does not have its intended outcome. Interesting. So the doctor can have correct judgment, correct action, but the outcome uh, is not the outcome that's intended. That's called an error. The failure of a planned action to be completed. So the doctor might open the person up to do surgery, intend to take out the gallbladder, but not take out the gallbladder for whatever reason. That's called an error of execution. So he did not complete the action. All right. Next, the use of a wrong plan to achieve an outcome. So an error of planning. And uh, one of these types of errors is called ED, error of diagnosis. And next, any deviation from the process of care, then that's the standard of care. So any deviation from the standard of care is an error. As you can see, many of these acts may actually be deliberate. Many of these acts may actually benefit the patient, but they're all called errors. Okay. So this definitely makes the waters a lot muddier. Um, okay, so... For this analysis, these two doctors, which I'm going to call them very generous, by the way, focus not on all medical error, but only on the preventable deadly events. So in order for them to count in the 214,000, the event had to be deadly, had to kill the patient, and two, had to be preventable. In other words, had the doctor not done what he did, the patient would be alive. So this was their criteria, which is a pretty strict criteria, to count these deaths as medical errors.
So in other words, a medical error cannot just contribute to the death, but it has to actually be uh, critical or instrumental. In other words, without that, the patient would have lived. Okay, so there's some pretty high standards here. The most frequent, though, uh, diametrically opposed opinions offered by those who commented was that these two doctors' definition of medical error was either too broad or not broad enough. And this is an important concept, is that this particular definition of, of medical error is actually very vague. It needs to be more uh, precise and more relevant to are we talking about actions on the part of healthcare personnel that lead to patient death? Or are we just talking about doctors deviating from the standard of care? Or are we talking about drug side effects? So this definition of uh, error is, is very, very vague. And so an orthopedic surgeon wrote, just like in the original To Err as Human, uh, for those of you who don't know, To Err as Human is a report. That's the uh, Institute of Medicine original report. We're failing to properly distinguish between an error and a complication. This is alarming that this doctor thinks an error or a complication, that that distinction is relevant to the patient who's just every bit as dead, who would have been alive had the doctor not taken this action. The patient's not going to be any more, any less dead because the doctor deviated from the standard of care or because he did it right and the patient got an unlucky complication. So either way, the patient is just as dead. So making this distinction, splitting this hair, doesn't really give us insight into prevention because one course is not less deadly than another. Okay, so this was echoed by an anesthesiologist who wrote, hospital-acquired infection and pulmonary embolus were considered medical errors. While some can be attributed to care, many of these complications are unavoidable patient-related comorbidities. In other words, what this anesthesiologist is saying is these deaths are going to happen just because the patient got care. So we can't call them errors, but that's exactly what the problem is. The problem is that these deaths occurred just because the patients, the human beings elected to become patients. And so what the anesthesiologist is saying is what someone who's taking a uh, academic college course might say, well, I know I got the wrong answer, but I should get partial credit um, because, and fill in the blank with the excuse. No, sorry, the patient is dead. So if you have a dead patient, then, and a patient that died only because he received medical care, then the implication is something needs to be changed. If you have a procedure that has death as a frequent expected outcome, then maybe the procedure shouldn't be done. So, but these surgeons are saying, are, are saying, well, wait a minute, this is just what we do. How can you call what we do an accident? So others point out the term medical error is misleading because it implies physician error. They argue that a more appropriate term is healthcare error. So there's doctors who are saying, wait, not my fault. I just wrote the orders. The nurse carried it out. Doesn't she bear some responsibility for this? And so there's this wanting to spread the blame. So, so we still haven't got any inkling or desire to change anything in order to prevent deaths 
or lessen the number of patients that die. So now we're, we're talking about, well, let's spread the blame. It's not just doctors. Let's bl blame more people. Let's pull someone else into this. Share the responsibility. So one physician wrote, if medical error should be listed as a cause of death, then so too should, get this, patient error, lifestyle error, namely inhaled nicotine, like cigarette smoking, overeating, sedentary living, and alcohol ingestion. Now, what these doctors are failing to understand here is these, we're talking about human beings here who smoke cigarettes, overeat, sit around, drink alcohol, who would still be alive if they had not sought medical attention. And so we really are talking about a different category of event here. Something causing the patient's death that is totally a function of the activity that took place in that patient's life as a result of receiving medical care. And so this is totally being, is still being missed. So these doctors are like, hey, you know, not me, don't blame me. And so a pain management physician agreed. Okay, so now we have a doctor saying, hey, wait, you know, we are killing a lot of people here. And so he says, how much morbidity and mortality can be explained, oh, excuse me, he's taking the, patient, uh, the, the doctor's side against the patient, by the patients themselves? How much bad behavior leads to cardiovascular disease and cancer? How many die from guns and drugs? You will quickly learn that the main source of patient mortality is from the decisions and actions patients take that result in their own demise. And so he's like, you patients. And so again, we have these numbers. We know what they are. So guns, uh, patients only kill themselves if you don't count suicide. Uh, 15,000 a year if you count suicide, roll it all up, 35, maybe 40,000 deaths from guns, drugs, drug overdoses, maybe 10,000, that's 55,000. Again, only one-fourth the number that these two doctors came up with. And so this particular orthopedic surgeon, unfortunately, is uh, a pain management surgeon, is, a doctor is uninformed. This is really unfortunate. So another physician suggested that medical procedures should be like Olympic diving, where they assign a degree of difficulty to each attempt. And there's a big difference between attempting something difficult on a risky patient when something could go wrong and making boneheaded belly flop and amputating the wrong leg. So in other words, what he's saying is, well, we should be allowed a few deaths here. So if we kill a patient that was not very healthy anyway, then it surely shouldn't count as a full death. It should count maybe as a half a death. And so again, we, we have this attitude of let's push the responsibility off someplace else. Let's change the way that we count. Let's make this go away by redefining the problem. So another anesthesiologist chimes in. If a patient shows up with acute coronary syndrome and cardiogenic shock, he's taken immediately to the cath lab and receives appropriate stenting but because of the severity of the disease and limitations of current technology, the patient dies. Is that considered a medical error? This is an interesting case. And as luck would have it, your, your host tonight is someone who practiced medicine and who did work in an emergency room and who did see a patient come in in cardiogenic shock. And what was the cause of the person's cardiogenic shock? The beta blocker that he was taking, yes. So a patient coming in with cardiogenic shock is not a frequent event, and when it is, one can often look not much further than the medications the patient is taking. 
So a neonatologist agreed with this logic. That was one of the problems with the original Institute of Medicine report. They overcounted casualty based simply on the presence of error. Okay. And uh, so these doctors are all concerned. Like, there's not a problem here. 214,000 deaths. Uh, is not a problem. We can get the back of our eraser and just erase this by redefining it. And this is pretty shocking. And so for you, <laughs> as uh, competent adults who might be considering placing your life in the hands of the medical industrial complex, this is what awaits you. The doctors are like, ah, people are dying. Let's recount it. Let's redefine it. Make it go away. Get the eraser part of the pencil. Turn that pencil upside down. Let's erase a few things here. Yeah, okay. Mm, That's much better. So here, another uh, cardiologist is uh, speaking up. He says, clearly surgery on the wrong part of the body, receiving the incorrect medication, or missing a diagnosis that is evident on a lab test or imaging study is a medical error. But what about the complications from a procedure? Consider this scenario. A patient with infection risk factors of poorly controlled diabetes and end-stage renal disease on hemodialysis underwent a life-saving procedure. Life-saving procedure, put that in your mind. Developed an infection, became septic, that means get, got more a bad infection, and died as a result of the infection. Okay, so obviously it was not a life-saving procedure if the person died from it, okay? It's like believing in Superman or Batman. Uh, Batman is a good guy no matter what he does. He can do bad things, he's still a good guy. So we have here a life-saving procedure that killed a patient, and we're going to call it a life-saving procedure. This is the logic that's going on in your doctor's mind. Yeah, that's what you're up against. So he's saying, should this be considered a medical error? Well, unless there's an egregious fault in thinking or performance or a trend for a certain practitioner or facility to have a significantly higher rate of complications, then I find it difficult and irresponsible to label these events medical errors. In other words, what he's saying is every facility should have a certain number of allowable kills or deaths. Every facility, whether it's a hospital or whatever, should be allowed to do procedures that result in the death of patients as long as their their kill rate is not higher than, say, the average. Yeah. And then he uses the word significantly higher rate of complications. So it can't be just above average. It has to be maybe like, like you know, Senate votes, a 65% majority or something. So in other words, you have to find yourself in a 65th percentile, uh, what this doctor is saying, before your deaths even get counted. This is, what, this is the logic that your doctors are, um, are engaging in. That a doctor can do a procedure, call it life-saving, have it result in the death of a patient and say, that was a life-saving procedure, so I should never be held responsible when a patient dies as a result of it. Well, if you're just thinking logically at face value, of course you should be held responsible. If it's a life-saving procedure, the procedure should have saved the patient's life. If you did a life-saving procedure and the patient died, well, you must have caused the death. It wasn't a procedure, right? Because the procedure was a life-saving procedure. And so this is the, the murky lack of logic and sequential thinking that keeps doctors committing these acts, doing these dangerous and deadly procedures day after day, day after day. Now, among the words we can publish that were used to describe the study of these two doctors, and this is 
what uh, Medscape is saying. So Medscape says, hey, we got letters, and the letters use these words. Garbage, trite, extrapolated hogwash, bogus. Still others describe them as outrageous, absurd, insulting, and a joke. And so these doctors who read this, totally defensive, totally dismissive, how dare you accuse us of this? Internal medicine physician from Europe, thank God it's in Europe, <laughs> you won't see this guy in the United States, hopefully. The time has come when people won't die from their disease anymore. Suddenly everyone will die from medical error. This is nonsense. From this article, you would think that doctors in the United States are dragging healthy people in off the streets and finishing them off. Bingo. That's exactly what's happening. People uh, under the guise of adult protective, under the guise of child protective, are actually being dragged into hospitals to receive deadly therapies, and many of them are dying of these deadly therapies. But this doctor in Europe is saying, well, this can't be. And so surgeons speculated that the investigators, these two doctors, Macri and Daniels, were fishing for funding with their study. And another physician believes that starting a witch hunt to root out medical error is misguided at best and patently dangerous. Dangerous for whom? I don't know. And in turn, it's questioned both the credibility and the gravity of the findings. First, she says, one, I don't believe them. And two, they're not that serious. Yeah. These numbers are total nonsense. It has been shown repeatedly uh, curiously, no reference is given, that patients dying as a result of error are almost uniformly frail, weak patients whose life expectancies are short. In other words, six months or less. That would be the people who are killed in hospice, basically. But we won't touch on that. There's another show about hospice care. I direct you to that for this story. These are not healthy individuals dropping dead from medical error. And of course, it's unfortunate that this doctor is uninformed. Uh, People often go to hospitals, receive routine preoperative antibiotics, develop antibiotic-resistant infections, and do die. And so but he's saying these are not healthy individuals. That's false. Dropping dead from medical error. And again, medical error, the problem here is everyone's using the word error to mean judgment or action or inaction. So bad or wrong action or wrong judgment. When Macri and Daniels are using this to mean anything that results in the death of a patient, they're gonna call error. And this is a very generous thing on their part because if they only included cases where the doctor did something wrong, deviated from the standard of care, then it would reveal the alarming, shocking fact that 90% of these medical killings are caused by doctors doing exactly what they're trained to do. And so Macri and Daniels provided a very generous propaganda cover for this rather deadly activity happening in the medical profession. And these doctors are too obtuse to accept this gracious excuse. Okay, so he's saying these are not healthy people. They would have died anyway. Okay, moreover, any hospital-acquired infection or fall is considered an error. While I agree that reducing these events as much as possible is praiseworthy, it defies common sense and practicality that these can be eliminated entirely. And he doesn't understand that exactly is the problem, that the hospital-acquired infections are not going to go away. People are going to die as a result of going to the hospital. 
the falls that happen in the hospital apparently are not going to go away. People are going to continue to fall off the um, x-ray table and die. And so the question then is, what level of uh, information is owed to patients in terms of communicating to them their true risk of dying at the hands of the hospital when they're admitted? And what Macri and Daniels have done is they have said, oh, okay, 214,000 people are killed as a result of being in the hospital, but we're going to call them all mistakes. And this guy, in defending himself, is actually putting his foot in his mouth. So this is not a call to mediocrity, but an indictment of the methods used to calculate these results. Too often people want a grabby headline, but don't present the whole, more complicated story. In the meantime, we lose patient trust. I urge a bit more responsibility. And of course, what this doctor does not realize is if they did tease out the um, falls in the hospital and did tease out the um, hospital-acquired infections and um, did not count medication uh, complications and medication side effects, if they didn't count those things, there's a long list of, of categories they don't count as errors, then they would have to say that of these hospital deaths, 214,000, they were caused by medical intervention, but only 5%, or at most 10%, were caused by the doctor doing the wrong thing. In other words, the truth is, and what this doctor is getting at, is fewer than 5% of these deaths could be prevented if doctors made no mistakes, whatever. If the doctor totally followed the standard of care, literally, no more than 10% of these deaths could be avoided. What he doesn't realize is saying that 214,000 people died as a result of medical care and 198,000 of those deaths are unavoidable would create even more patient panic and deteriorate patient trust even more because now you would be telling uh, the patients that these deaths are unavoidable, um, you know, check in, uh, pay your money, take your chances. And this is exactly not the message that the pro-medical industrial complex wants to get. But this particular doctor doesn't understand that these deaths are there, these deaths are real, they are created by medical, medical intervention, and the best space you can put on it is to say that they are mistakes and that we're doing more research, we're looking into correcting these mistakes. When actually, of course, as this doctor says, these are not mistakes at all. Okay, an oncologist chimes in, criticizes the study. It's just another example of the endless ways to demean medical personnel. What a piece of hooey. I've seen plenty of people saved from dying only to perpetuate their misery. Just walk through your local intensive care unit to witness it firsthand. The authors would have us believe that without medical errors, no deaths would occur ever. And of course, that's not what the authors said. The authors just said that 214,000 were killed as a result of their medical therapy. Now, I have to say, this is not murder. This is not murder because the doctors have special license from the government, that's permission. The hospitals are licensed, that means they have special permission. And this killing is totally authorized. Okay, so all we're talking about here is patient death and kill it. We're not talking about anything illegal. Okay, so sarcasm also crept into more than a few other comments like this one. Well, I guess people should stop going to the doctor so they don't risk getting cut down in their prime. And of course, this guy was sarcastic, but recent statistics, and we did a radio show on that too, 
indicate that whites between the age of 45 and 54 are dying at record numbers. And what are they doing in record numbers? They're going to see the doctor. And they are indeed being cut down in their prime. And so this doctor is sarcastically saying that when unfortunately he's uninformed, hasn't checked his data, and that's exactly what is happening. And there were comments from those who view the study findings as just more fodder for the legal profession. Still, others simply did not believe the results because they didn't jive with personal experience. An emergency physician wrote, I've been in medicine for 45 years and have not seen this to be even remotely true. Okay, so this guy is an emergency room doctor and he has not seen the things that go on in an emergency room that contribute to the harm and death of patients. I'm telling you, he must be walking around with blinders. You know, when I was doing my training at the community hospital and I did a rotation to the emergency room, it was jaw-dropping, shocking. And I just couldn't wait to get out of the emergency room because you're standing by, you're watching this stuff happen, and you think to yourself, man, there ought to be a law. And if there is a law, am I going to get arrested along with the rest of these bozos? So, you know, it's, 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 it's very stressful. But when you get desensitized to it, um, like in medical school, they tell us, well, we have to choose the best of two evils. Like, excuse me, why do I have to choose evil at all? And so there's all this terminology that literally conditions doctors um, to choose evil, to um, make the best of a bad situation, to, um, you know, be between a rock and a hard place. And so you have all this terminology all the time in medical school that we, on we only have to choose between bad and worse. We, we can never choose between uh, good and better. And so we're trained to expect to see incredible, gruesome decline and to attribute it to, get this, patient disease. And so uh, doctors are in denial? It's a question mark. Oh, so the guy, right, the lady, the nurse, wrote, wrote this article saying, are doctors in denial? So although few in number, some Medscape readers accept that Macri and Daniels is finding, uh, I'm not related to this, Daniels, may be valid and may and believe that physicians who think otherwise are in denial about the scope of the problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. Unfortunately, the scope of the problem is far bigger than Macri or Daniels even mentioned. They are only mentioning their projected hospital deaths, 214,000. Medicare program commissioned a study, and they found 180,000 hospital-related deaths per year just in the Medicare population alone. They didn't even count anyone under 65. And so everywhere you look, you know, it's like the, the, the song says, everywhere you look, you could write a book on the trouble between a woman and a man. Well, it's just like this hospital thing. Everywhere you look, you could write a book on the dead bodies in the caskets for medical care. And so, um, again, nobody's counting or has yet counted, I should say, in the particular government study, the outpatient deaths, haven't counted the deaths from diabetics overdosing on their insulin due to uh, tight control. No one's calling it deaths of the suicides caused by the antidepressants. Uh, you know, the, the, the list of uncounted deaths due to medical therapy that everybody knows about is, uh, is really staggering. Okay. 
So this guy says, a pediatrician, medical errors are hard to accurately quantify. This is a guy who's doing immunizations and seeing kids have seizures in front of them and show up autistic two weeks later. So this is what he's saying. Medical errors are hard to accurately quantify. They are hugely underreported. He should know. And sometimes it's very hard to tell whether an error caused significant harm. I do want to point out the Dunning-Kruger effect that plagues medicine in certain areas where people are practicing at the edge of their scope and are not appropriately asking for guidance. Be careful of the ego and try to be aware of what you don't know. And so again, he is saying that doctors are making mistakes, are deviating from the standard of care, are giving uh, care that is not medically necessary according to the standard of care. When actually, when you look at what's causing people to die, that is not it at all. And so here's another person says, a registered nurse was saddened reading some of the comments made about the study. And she said, instead of asking what we can do about this problem, most are variations on denial. Another healthcare provider agreed saying, errors and complications Again, these are put in the same thing, errors or complications. And complications, the doctors are not making a mistake. They give the drug fully knowing the patient could die, but that death is an acceptable death. And this is what patients need to get a grip on, is that doctors who do surgery, they know people are going to die, and by golly, it's totally acceptable because we're saving more than we're killing. And maybe that's true. I mean, if it's only the third leading cause of death, maybe we should keep doing what we're doing until it gets to be the first leading cause of death. So errors and complications are frequently faced by patients, even if doctors refuse to admit it. Why do so many women die from heart attacks after being sent home from the emergency department with a proton pump inhibitor? Could it be proton pump inhibitors cause heart attacks? That's something to think about. Or an anti-anxiety medication after being seen for chest pain. So errors happen, and it's not always preventable. And the thing is, these doctors don't even want to prevent it. So many physicians acknowledge that medical error is common, but they disagree that all errors are preventable. And many were disinclined to place responsibility for errors on the shoulders of clinicians. And so this is, okay, so we have total uh, not my fault, no responsibility, um, blame somebody else, or just excuse it. And so a general physician wrote, cognitive proximity biases, the Kubler-Ross sequence of denial and anger psychological need to assign blame, the risks associated with procedural management of cancer or cardiovascular disease in an unstable aging population and retrospective cause and effect attributions are all driving factors in random catastrophic lethal events being attributed inappropriately to healthcare provider caused errors. So what he's saying then is we're taking care of sick people, uh, people who are getting older, uh, in other words, the patient disease argument and cause and effect attributions are, you know, we look back and find them, but they really weren't apparent at the time. And one area is hospital-acquired infections. There can be no doubt that a hospital-acquired infection just happened because the person was in the hospital. And you have to ask yourself, is it really worth it for that person to die over, you know, being admitted to the hospital? And you ask the family, they'll probably say the person should have stayed home. So preventable, systematic, lethal, or egregious human errors do occur. But overall, they're relatively small in number. And he's right, very small in number. So lethal or egregious human errors, these are not errors, and that is the crux of the issue here. They are relatively small in number compared with random, unpreventable events. 
Oversight efforts to prevent these errors, example, electronic health records, have the opposite consequence of increased random events because quality provider patient clinical face time is reduced. Now, the this is an important thing to get a grip on, is that the actual doctor making a mistake, you know, doing this drug when you should have recommended that drug, is really a minuscule contribution. This person is correct. But random, unpreventable events, and this is what we're talking about. Doctors are being trained to use interventions that are inherently lethal to treat conditions that are inherently not lethal. Example, when you give a uh, depressed person an antidepressant, which leads them to commit suicide, when if you hadn't treated him, he probably just would have sat in his room and cried. So another clinician acknowledged that many people die or are injured because of medical errors. But the true number is unknown. While these issues deserve more attention, the global warning-esque hyperbole is not helpful and is, in fact, counterproductive. So he's saying this is exaggeration because we don't know about doctor mistakes. And the truth is we do know the 214,000 uh, figure for death. And unfortunately, as these doctors are saying, it is not due to medical mistakes. It's due to medical action. It's due to the standard of care. But their feeling is that because the doctor did what he was supposed to, then that death should not count against the doctor. Maybe it should not count against the doctor, but it sure did count against the patient. Ouch. Other clinicians from the error happens camp believe that systems, not humans, are largely to blame for errors. Bingo. The systems are the standard of care, and the doctors have no control over the systems, but they do have the choice to participate or not. So registered nurse explains, system errors, not people, intent on making mistakes are the main culprit. Tort reform is much needed because many family members who feel the pain of loss are eager to punish someone for a loved one's death. And the truth is, these acts that lead to the death of one human being are committed by other human beings. There's no escaping that. Now, as a society, we may want to decide that these deaths are okay. We want to encourage them, in which case, hey, what the heck, go for tort reform. Another healthcare professional expressed a view that the label medical error is unfortunate. Medical error is more than physician error. These results don't point the finger at physicians. Physician defensiveness is not warranted, but these high rates, of, rates suggest system problems. Root cause analysis is indicated. And so this retaliation, this uprising of negative impact from doctors hit this publication so hard we're short on time, so I have to cut to the chase here, that they actually ended with the survey. And they said, what is your opinion of these two doctors' analysis and conclusions about medical error? And the person could check. Uh, it's valid and illustrates a realistic concern. Or, while error is important, the analysis is flawed and inaccurate. Or, the analysis is inherently flawed and overinflates the issue. Or, the issue of healthcare-associated errors deserves continuing study using a more valid m method than used by these two or I'm not able to form an opinion, or I have no opinion. And here, they're very worried about their circulation. They say, should Medscape have published a new story about this analysis? And you can say yes. You can say yes, but the cover should have been more nuanced, or no, you shouldn't have published it, or no opinion. So literally, they're doing this survey to pander to the sensitivities 
of these killers. Shocking, shocking, shocking. And this is what it takes. This is what it takes to kill 880,000 human beings every year as a routine part of medical therapy. Just to say, hey, not my fault. Don't blame me. The patient was sick. Let's do a recount. Um, amazing. And these are run-of-the-mill, kind-hearted, reasonable doctors. And this is what they think. I mean, not one letter, not one response said, let's take a closer look, let's find the problem, and let's fix it. No, uh, no such uh, attitude. And so... Uh, the only um, feeling here is don't blame me. Let's see if we can't blame a few nurses and hospital administrators. Let's share the blame here. Or let's get rid of the blame. Let's do a recount. And not to defend or excuse these doctors, but that is the attitude it takes to get into medical school. You get a B on a test. You go to talk to the professor and say, hey, regrade this test. I'm sure you'll find it's an A if you regrade it. And depending on how big a pain in the butt the student is, He'll get the upgrade, and the students who get the upgrade end up getting the better record and going on to medical school. So it selects for people who think that way. These aren't just numbers. These 214,000, those are dead bodies. Dead bodies. And guess what? There's going to be another 214,000 dead bodies at least next year from the same thing if nothing's done. And so these doctors instead are concerned with, well, let me just uh, cover cover myself and um, change change the count. Just change the count. Yeah. It's like you go to a, you're taking a pre-medical course, you go to the professor and say, hey, just, just uh, regrade the test. So I'm going to stop because we've only got a few minutes left, 10 minutes left. It's in case people have any questions about this because I, I think this is an important uh, concept to really grasp or to understand. So people have a question, they can... Uh, Click their button. Meanwhile, I'm going to go check the chat room. And it's always interesting. <laughs> okay. Okay. I see the same behavior in all areas of science. They use ad hominem and other fallacious arguments to defend their religion in practice. That's correct. And as you can see, all these doctors who were protesting this article, protesting this 214,000 figure, none of them came up with any kind of scientific research. I mean, you'd think they could have at least done a search for the medical literature. you think they could have found the study showing that if you're a diabetic and you do what your doctor tells you, your chances of dying increase by 30%. You would think they would have found a study that shows if you are sick and go to the emergency room, you increase your chances of death by 30%. You would think they would have found a study uh, by Daniel Levinson in, the Medi in Medicare in 2010 indicating 180,000 Americans die every year at the hands of hospital care paid for by their Medicare insurance. You would have thought that if they looked, they could have found that. And I'm sure they could have. And if they looked, they would have found other estimates. 
Um, the most conservative, if you add up inpatient and outpatient, the most conservative estimate I found is uh, 440,000 deaths. And these are done by people who are total aficionados and fans of the medical industrial complex. So there's a problem here. And the problem is that these doctors are totally unwilling to accept any um, information that might lead them to change their practices and reduce the death rate. It's all uh, down to not my problem, not my responsibility, let's blame someone else and redefine the problem. So it's really um, just totally unconscionable and shocking. <laughs> Dr. Daniels, do you think the commenting doctors are straw men set up to argue against the findings? No, I don't, unfortunately. Having practiced medicine for 10 years, this is the way doctors talk. This is the way they talk among themselves when the doors are closed and they're not uh, you know, talking to patients. When they talk to patients, it's very uh, authoritative, well, studies show, well, the standard of care is, and this, blah, blah, blah. But here they are presented with this information from a credible source. When I say credible source, I mean, we're told in medical school, if it's published in the you know, um, British Medical Journal, if it's published in Journal of Medical, Mer medical Association, if it's published in the New England Journal of Medicine, it is fact. It's not your place to dispute the facts. You may dispute the interpretation, but the actual fact itself is indisputable. So in other words, by publishing this article, by putting this out there credible publications. The actual number, 214,000, is not open to discussion. What is open to discussion, again, according to the mindset of doctors, is, okay, who's really responsible for this 214,000? Well, maybe you counted wrong. But at no point does anyone say, oh my God, could we possibly be doing this? We are so sorry. Let, let's take a look at this. As one doctor said, this must be systemic. But of course, a systemic problem with someone else doing wrong, not him. And for me, when I was practicing medicine, it was absolutely devastating for me, you know, to go home one day and say to myself, could I be causing harm? Could I be contributing to people's illness? Could I be creating their illness? And I'm telling you, when I even posed the question to myself, you know, months, months of sleepless nights, months, and I could no longer um, dogmatically say to people, my way or the highway. I could no longer say, hey, this information I've been taught to give you is accurate and helpful. Instead, I had to say, you know, this is the information I've been taught to give you. Uh, here's some more information and here's more choices that you have and what do you want to do? And just that, adding that to the conversation, it did add another six minutes to the office visit, sometimes 10 minutes, but that took the death rate down to zero. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So someone in the chat room says, Dr. Downs, I'd rather go to a primitive medicine man than to a modern doctor, or better yet, become my own successful doctor. Absolutely. And um, all these numbers indicate that you are better off, uh, certainly at least, staying home. Um, now, you don't have to just stay home. You can stay home and you can do something. 
Uh, if you want to get started, the easy start way is to go to vitalitycapsules.com forward slash candida, C-A-N-D-I-D-A, and you can get my uh, free report on a primitive medical method, turpentine, that was used with incredible success uh, prior to 1900. So, uh, <laughs> um, so check it out, vitalitycapsules.com forward slash candida, and uh, check out some pretty effective uh, primitive medicine. That report is available at no charge, and it, a definite first start. If you want to take it to the uh, another level, I have a retreat here in Panama where I'm teaching people to heal, to become their own successful doctor, to treat themselves, their family, and whoever else might want to uh, benefit from their skills. And I'm going. To, I teach people exactly what I do: the spices I use, the herbs I use, the foods I use to heal, different strategies, and how to. Think about and reframe conditions in such a way that um, one can proceed with harmless therapy. In other words, therapy that does not kill, non-lethal therapy that you can do in your home um, easily with things that are readily available. <laughs> okay. We go to these doctors and insist that they do something, and that puts us on the hook. At some level of reality, it's our, is it our own fault? Absolutely. Absolutely. When you show up uh, to your doctor's office, you're simply showing up for yet another session of attempted murder, yet another session of Russian roulette. And these doctors, even given this information of 214,000, which is a profound... 60 seconds. Um, you know, they're saying, hey, we're not changing a thing. There's nothing wrong with us. We're going to keep doing this. Oh, sure, patients die. It's no problem. It's expected. If it's expected death, then we shouldn't be criticized for it. And so this type of uh, reasoning is, is uh, nothing short of just alarming. So that brings today's uh, show to a close. And we'll see you again next week. And as always, think happens.